Hello, everyone. This week's episode is sponsored by RLJE Films. Horror legend and friend of the King cast, Miss Barbara Crampton, stars alongside the great Larry Fessenden and the Conjuring's Bonnie Aarons in Travis Stevens' delightfully gory film, Jacob's Wife. The movie's now available on DVD and Blu-ray, and here's a little bit about what it's about if you haven't seen it. After an encounter with the master, Anne discovers bite marks on her neck. Uh-oh. Uh, a new sense of power and an appetite to live bolder than ever. But as the body count grows, Anne must decide between her enticing new existence and her life before the bite. Order your copy of Jacob's Wife today on Amazon.com. Hi, Wampler here, and I've got to add a little bit to this about, well, not to that, but just to this intro of this particular episode. Uh, I'm here with the Fangoria ad read. In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and Fangoria is better than ever with each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past present and future these articles and interviews will never be published online so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical collectible copy of your own we can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page so head on over to fangoria.com to learn more and to you know subscribe and while you're there make sure to enter the promo code kingcast to save 25 percent off your yearly subscription eric you would now, think i would have that memorized now and i do not <laughs> Yes, we've only done it about 47 times now, I think. Only that, yes. <laughs> well, let's get on with the show, shall we? Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Today we are joined by a guest who is sure to be one of the most colorful and indeed excitable guests in KingCast history. You've seen him in Pitch Perfect 2. Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Good Place, and of course, over on YouTube, where he's racked up, I don't know how many millions of views at this point, but you'll next be seeing him in this summer's highly anticipated The Suicide Squad, opening on August 6th, wherein he'll be playing the villainous Javelin. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our friend and yours, Mr. Flula Borg, to the KingCast stage. Flula, how are you doing today? Oh, wow. Hello to you guys. I'm very excited. Thank you for letting me join this cast castle. King ca King's, I like it. King's Castle. Yes. King's Castle. It is yes. a King's Hello. Castle. Nice. Close enough. Yes. Okay, great. Um, Man, we should. that's I, what we should have named the podcast. King's yeah. Castle. King's Castle. Jesus Christ. Where, Flula, where were you like a year ago? We One year ago? Well, yes. in hell, like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> did you start a podcast? That's what we did to kind of get through it. Oh, great. I started and stopped four podcasts. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm go, go. very excited to talk to you because I am of German ancestry. Oh, and, okay. Let but me I've answer never, your questions. I, I've never been to uh, Germany. So a lot of the questions I'm going to have for you today are, are maybe German-centric, but it's only so that I can, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a, a, a better bead on modern German culture. And I understand you're just like, 
you know, the guy to talk to about that, right? Wow, uh, highly inaccurate. And I respect your uh, desire to avoid just Googling some questions. So this is great. Yeah, just yes. ask me and then I will Google. So if you hear some tippy typies, it's just me Googling answers for you. I think you'll be able to answer all of these questions perfectly well. Okay. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk about your your work in the, in the Suicide Squad. Um, okay. You're playing Javelin. Uh, were you familiar with Javelin before you got the call for this role? I was not, uh, but I think that's almost the rule for uh, this film. And I think when uh, James Gunn, the writer and director and genius of this project, was putting it together, it's the idea of like, who are some randos that we can use that, <laughs> that will have some fun, uh, you know, characteristics and that was definitely Javelin. Uh, there are not many, I will say, not that many like German villains or heroes in the DCEU that I know. So maybe I should have known Javelin. But let me tell you, now I know Javelin. Have you seen all the DCEU movies up to this point? The DQs, as they say? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, there, there Maybe there are some deep in the library, which I have missed. Uh, but I think I have seen... Fair. All of those, yes, like the most recent ones and the the old. Would you would you count the Batman with Jack Nicholson as part of this? No, I think. Well, mm. I mean, it's definitely a DC movie, right? Yeah. yeah, I think I'm more. I'm thinking more modern era. You know, okay. so you know the the last few. Yes, or the, I don't or think the even the Nolan the Nolan Batman's count for DCEU, right? That's that's only like the their. Post like Marvel competition MCU mm, right. stuff, right? The Zack Snyder reboot. Ah, era. okay. Got it. Well, I have seen those, and let me tell you, I love those. The Batman Begins. I once watched five films in a theater in one day, just sneaking around the theaters, uh, eating Reese mm-hmm. pieces. And yes. one of those was Batman Begins. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a preferred Batman, just out of curiosity? Oh, like the man playing the Batman? Sure. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes. Um, I enjoy very much. I did enjoy uh, Christian Bale very much. Um, mm-hmm. And I did like, um, because it was like, what? What's he doing? Um, the, the Batman from the 90s. Oh, what's his name? Martin Scorsese? Morgan Freeman? No. Uh, uh, what's He's from Beetlejuices. <laughs> Michael Beetlejuices. Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael yes. Keaton I very much like, because it's like, he's not like manly. Like if, if Michael Keaton is throwing a punch, I'm not like, oops, oh, nightmares, you know? Um, so I, I love this. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He, he's got a little softer side and he's coming back. So maybe those old uh, Batman, Keaton Batman movies will actually be officially part of this DCEU now. You know, that's he's, a good point. He's, in, he's in the Flash. Yeah. The Flash. Oh, he's in the Flash. In the yeah. Flash. Yeah. But oh, right. the Suicide Squad in the flesh, has, in the flesh. has yeah, no, yeah. it has no connections to the modern DCEU. Is that correct? Yeah, this is, I will be very honest with you. I am, I enjoy to go into something Either I know everything or nothing. And in yes. this case, I tried to be very blind. I was just like, <laughs> like it's like if I was spelunking and the only thing, instead of a lamp helmet, I just had James Gunn there. And I was just like, <laughs> James, yeah. do I touch this stalactite or is this a lizard? You know, And he would just tell me uh, which things to do. So I was very sheltered in this way. And as I say, I let James be my guide. It sounds like you had a great time working with him. Yeah, uh, you know, can can you give me some of your reflections on your time spent with him on on set? Oh, a very wonderful time. Um, this was probably 
if not the most, one of the very most fun times for me to be on a set. Everyone was excited. Everyone, I can feel, felt like they had won uh, the golden tickets of Willy Wonka. I don't know if that's DC <laughs> or not, but uh, no. everyone felt this way. And it was like, this was the energy around the town. It felt like, you know, like in high school, if, if well, maybe you guys don't know, like it's like one week left and everyone's like, oh, we've all graduated and there's like five more days of meaningless classes. This is so yeah. fun. So um, everyone was very loose in this way. You know, we took it very serious, of course, but like there was a nice uh, loosey-goosey element, which I think, uh, I hope, and I do think will bring very fun performances uh, to the screens. That's a hell yeah. of a cast you guys have there. Oh, wow. Um, and that really comes you- through in the trailers, too, because oh. it looks like this was like the funnest goddamn movie ever. Like Das Malchin looks like he's everyone involved looks like they're having the time of their lives making this thing. Oh, yes. And I will say, I think, well, James has said it. Every character, the goal was to make each one feel like this is a very, uh, this this character is coming from his own or her own comic book uh, series, you know, and they are jumping into this film. So everyone is fully formed and weird and different and crazy. And I think everyone just dove into this in fun ways. Hmm. Sweet. Can you Did tell you us ca- a little bit about the javelin? Because I don't know much about the character. Like, what, hmm. what, what can you tell us about the javelin and and what you brought to this role? Well, um, I brought my Germanity and then um, sixteen <laughs> additional kilograms of muscle um, that I was uh, I felt obligated to add to my buttocks and chest um, for this role. Um, javelin is an a big, you know, I'll say it. He's an a hole, you know, with a capital R. And uh, this, of course, does not make him unique in this in this film. But every, everyone is an arschloch in this. Um, <laughs> Javelin is um, he doesn't have like crazy superhero powers. He's an Olympic athlete, so he's very athletic. He can kick all the booties. He's like Batman without the fear of bats and without a very mm. very wealthy uh, mansion slash butler. Mm. <laughs> oh, so and he's a huge, a huge, 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 huge javelin. Yeah, yeah, I would like, assume that that would be part of the kid to get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like uh, Captain Boomerang in the first one, where he wasn't super powered necessarily. He was just really, really good with a, a boomerang. With a boomerang, yes, yes. I mean, except uh, you know, Javelin is better if you ask Javelin than Captain Boomerang. <laughs> Captain Boomerang. How long has he been captain? When's the promotion coming? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, listen, we are your stars. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Are you General private, Boomerang private just wouldn't Jeff? have the yeah. same ring to it, I, I don't think. But right. I will tell you, pri- yeah, like you said, I don't know who said it, but Private Boomerang sounds much better to me. Private Boomerang? What? Yeah, there's some okay. mystery in that. Mm, yeah. Sign me up for that. It's like that that's Tina a guy, Turner song. That's yeah. a guy who's going places. Yeah, and coming back yeah, to no, that same place, yes. That, sound, that sounds like, uh, like a Washington, D.C. escort to me. Mm, yes, it does. Uh, yes, like right, an escort yes. service. Mary and Barry called that service, yes. yes. <laughs> Do you get to... Well, I guess you probably couldn't tell me this. I'll ask it anyway, just to see okay. what happens. Yeah, yeah. Do you get to um, fight any of the other members of the Suicide Squad in this movie? Well, okay, yeah, that's. I know, I know why you said maybe you cannot ask. Well, I can tell you, none of us is friends. This isn't the the Buddy Paw Patrol where everyone feeds each other gravy train. Um, so <laughs> I will tell you, it's safe to say there are arguments and fights happening between all the peoples at all the times. Fair enough. I was wondering because I was imagining you going up with your javelin against Jai Courtney with the boomerang. And, Mm. you know, that's a I don't know. I don't know uh, 
what happens there. I don't well, know who it, wins. That sounds like my dream and his nightmare. Shots fired, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Captain, my Captain. Yeah, that's right. Get off that desk. <laughs> <laughs> we asked this question of all of our guests, and I'm particularly curious to hear yours, having grown up in another country. Mm-hmm. But what is your Stephen King origin story? When did he first come onto your radar as a pop culture presence? Yeah, so uh, I was my my parents are teachers, or they were when I was a little dude. And uh, in the summers, we would drive around every place. And one time, we drove to Morocco, uh, Morocco or whatever. And um, we were there, <laughs> and I got everyone, not just me, everyone got very sick. We got some kind of like food poisoning. And so we we were normally camping, and we were always in tents, but we were so sick. Everyone but my father, he's made of like the iron lung, except it's his whole body, and nothing affects <laughs> this person. And so he was like, fine, we will go to a hotel. So we stay at like this very nice hotel. It's called a Club Medium, Club Med, Med something with MED, like who knows? Anyway, it is very nice. And in my hotel room, someone uh, in the, you know, in the shelf where normally it is like the Holy Bible and like a TV's guide or something. Right. Mm-hmm. There was also a copy of uh, Stephen King, The Stand. Yes. And I, yeah. And I was uh, bed riding, ridden. I was not riding the bed. That sounds inappropriate. I was like nine. I mean, I was <laughs> sick. And I was like, let's read something, you know. And so I began to read The Stand and I was just inside it. I could not help it. And this was my first Stephen King exposing. Did you end up keeping the book from the hotel room? Uh, I'm assuming the the hotel concierge is not listening to this, so I will say probably. Yes. I oh yes, <laughs> okay. Well, listen, uh, Instagram at Flula, hit me up. I will send you a copy <laughs> of the stand. My apologies. And you made it all the way through at nine years old. Morocco, yeah, we survived. Yes. No, I mean oh. the book. Oh, the book. Yes, yes, yes. No, of course. Yeah, I, I read this book very much. I love this. And then my next one uh, was It. Mm. The, the, the clown. So you like the long, the long books? Yeah, you know, because I was uh, in the in these trips as a child. I was always in the back seat, you know, and uh, right. not like a driver back seat. I was not caring, so I would sit there, and I needed long things to just uh, distraction me from the beautiful uh, things outside. And so, big books. Right. Yeah, that's impressive at that age. I was worried about me later, like when I was like twenty. I was like, that maybe not a good. These are not good things for nine-year-old people to read. Uh, but <laughs> too late. Oops. Did were you particularly frightened by Stephen King books at that age? Uh, the the stand, no. But there is one piece of of it which will always be in my brain, which is like a head is like rolling, and it's just mm-hmm. rolling to you. And I am I still have not read it since I was a child, so I don't know if it was the clown head. And I don't watch the movies. I am too. Uh, I'm a scaredy pant for these kind of films. So um, with the new ones, they're too scary. The sounds very good with sounds. You know, they can scare you just with like a oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. So, yes, but at Stand, no scaring me. It, yes. You say the newer movies, but are you a viewer of the older movies, like The Shining and Salem's Lot and such? Yes, and I love those. Um, maybe because I know they are old, so they are not so scary to me mm, for some right. reason. You know, we right. are like our brains have evolved. You know, like when we look at special effects of films, we can see, oh, that's fake. But if we were like 20 years ago, when the film also came out, we would be like, oh, that's real. And so right. I think I can see the cracks. And so this is making me have less fear when I watch old movies. And also I love them as like art pieces because they're like time capsules of history. Oh, yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. 
in the United States, uh, Stephen King has the title "The Master of Horror." Mm. That's something you you hear all the time. Okay. Um, so did he have a, No. Does he have a similar title over in Germany, or is he just another author? Oh you wow! Know? Just another author. Um, uh, that's a good question. I don't. You know, I don't know that he is, he is, people, we know him, we are knowing him and, and, you know, many uh, authors are translated into German. And now, I mean, look, right. now in Germany, many, I would say majority Germans are knowing English and can consume it. And um, so they are knowing him, but I don't know his like ranking, like who's number one. Is it, uh, you know, Karl May, Stephen, Stephen King, or, you know, Dr. Seuss? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, any questions? I was definitely curious about King's influence over there. What do you think is the most popular King story uh, in Germany versus, say, in the States? You know, do do you think that there's like one that's hit the pop culture there? My answer to you is I don't know. And I will tell you it is because the scary movies, um, often they are scaring me. And so um, mm. I don't I don't like know so much because I am so, they are very much affecting me. It is difficult to watch a thing or read a thing and then right. like, oh, okay, moving on to snacks. Where's my cupcakes? Um, right. you, know, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't really know. But I can tell you Shining is still very classic, at least to me and my, and my friends. You know, I... Right. I, I would, I mean, now I want to initiate a Gallup poll in Frankfurt and see who, who is what and, you know, is Dead Zone popular or what, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, just for instance, like, we we had a, a bonus episode about uh, a Hindi adaptation of It that was Ooh. went on for multiple seasons in India. Like, India oh. just loves It, you know, and they, they've adapted it and it's just part of their, you know, their culture now, I think probably because of the long-running show, but... Uh, yeah, I was wow. just wondering if there was any if there's any uh, version of that in Germany, but uh... well, I can tell you, we love uh, scary dark things. It is in our history of stories, you know, like uh, the, right. the grim fairy tales, and and we have many lessons. Sure. And in our stories, everyone dies. It's like you know, this is what will happen. <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, well, oh no, they all die. Oh, everyone dies. Oh, cool. So which I guess you know. Yes, I'm. So we have many scary horror things uh, already in our uh, canon. Right. I understand that you're not a big horror movie watcher, but are you a, are you a cinephile? Do you watch a lot of movies? I do, and I will tell you, I will watch a horror if it is not just like, look at all the heads explode, and then the man eats the head, and then he poops out that head onto a caterpillar, and then the <laughs> caterpillar starts flying and eats another man. It's like, I, I, it tunes it out for me. If it's like very scary, I can watch this, and I love the classics. As I say, like The Shining, and I know we're going to speak about Carrie, like that very amazing film in many ways um but yes yeah, cinephiles yes i love films i love anything that is dope and sassy uh, and uh, that's that's just how i roll it guys do you have a preferred filmmaker like do you have like a number one person that you're like i love this uh man or woman's films more than any other no uh, and i will say i'm always confused when someone is like oh man my favorite band of all time is whoever stone temple pilots and i'm like okay they are amazing but really like that's number one why i don't have any number ones <laughs> you know uh, and that's also fair. yeah i just don't have it but i can tell you like today my top five right now are blabbly blue but then tomorrow it will be different you know because like right. i'm in a different mood i need to poop so you know so it's a different so andromeda strain wins or whatever you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I said said no one ever, but that's uh, 
until uh, now, until now, until until this very moment, you you yeah. get another Kingcast exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that yeah, that's that's the thing that I love about movies, though. It's that you can see something and uh, see it in a completely different way. You know, ten years later with different life experiences. I my go to example of that is uh, Spielberg's AI, which is a movie that I really liked, uh, and then when I revisited after you know bonding very closely with my young nephews it had a whole different meaning to me and it like affected me in a whole different different level you know there's life experience happens and it changes how you take in stories okay i will tell you i know that you guys are speaking probably often about horror films and i think Mm -hmm. now that i am more of an adult of legal drinking age and like i can pee pee when i want no one can stop me this kind of things it is making me want to watch scary films now because as a child they was like i watched this film Aliens? Do you know this film? Oh, Aliens? yes. Yeah. I've heard I, of it. Oh, man. I watched it when I was like seven, you know, and I was, I don't leave the theater unless I'm hungry, which has happened a lot. Um, but <laughs> this one was one where I was like, dad, dad, we need to leave. Like, this is, I am very scared. And I think this was too early for me to see a film like this. And I now, I think I'm big now. I have those big old britches, as they say, those BOBs. Yeah. So it's, it's time for me to watch. Actually, let me ask you guys. It, right now, you can change in two minutes your mind. What are two films that are like most apropos for this podcast that you're like, oh, well, Flula should watch these? Ooh, that's a good question. You can change mm. your mind in five minutes. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, horror Flula, in general I, or yes. Stephen King? I oh, think you oh. should watch Maximum Overdrive for starters. <laughs> okay. Uh, Maximum Overdrive is a, a movie that Stephen King himself directed. Uh, in the 80s, he never directed a film before, but was hired to uh, adapt one of his own stories and turn it into a movie. Ooh. And it's a movie about all the machinery in the world and specifically cars and trucks come to life and they want to kill everybody. Right. Like so Christine. Uh, so Christine? Yeah. the movie is, yeah, a little bit on a bigger level, though, because now we're mm. talking about like Mack trucks and 18 wheelers and that kind of oh, shit. Yeah. You know, and the majority of the movie takes place at a truck stop where a number of people are trapped by these, you know, very sinister trucks. One of them has a big uh, green goblin face on the front of it. So it's very Ooh. scary. Ooh. Um, and bonus stars Emilio Estevez. Get so, out. It does. I think you would. I think I, I have a sneaking suspicion you would respond well to Maximum Overdrive. Mm. And, and I'll, let Eric, I'll let Eric make the other pick. Okay. Yeah, it's not scary. Mm, great. Okay. You said you have trouble watching modern horror things, right? Well, I just decided during this podcast that I'm I'm a big boy, you know, and I can do it. So it, you can it, do it, Flula. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If I'm allowed to pick a non Stephen King horror yes. thing that that you should yes. watch, I. I think that this is going to sound very bougie of me since this is like an A24 thing. Great. Um, Hereditary would be probably my, my <laughs> pick if you haven't seen this. Okay. Because uh, listen, man, if you're deciding to do this, you're going to watch Hereditary and you're either going to be in for horror or you're not. Right? This oh, is jumping like into this. the deep end. Ooh, so th- this a, is a litmus test. It, it, it's, it's, it's psychological. It is creepy. It has, it has a good payoff to it. It's... Mm. Uh, there's you know weird imagery there's kind of nightmare scenarios in it where you don't know what's real and what's not it's it's uh it's all but it's all a story about a family breaking apart and it is it is uh definitely my pick in the like the last five years or so of, of horror of my okay top of that list great i like this 
it's um, pretty scary though, right, Eric? Like it is very well. That's what he's asking for. He was saying he's a big boy now and wants to watch something scary. Okay, so. well that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's what, fair. yeah. Maximum yeah. Overdrive is definitely not a scary movie. It's a very fun movie, but it's not a scary. Yes. Movie. Well, this sounds like a nice like one super scary and cool, and one very uh, not not scary but still yeah, cool. Yeah, watch watch that double feature and get back to us. What you mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will do it. Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, the movie or the uh, the property you selected to talk well, about. Well, Scott, today. did you want to ask him about your German German? Oh, yes. stuff, or is that that of you? Oh, we I'll, I'll that. thread that throughout this. I'm not trying. Oh, to okay, good. Blow all that right off off the top. Good call. But uh, let's talk about the movie that you selected today, which is Carrie. Yes. This is perhaps the last title I expected you to pick for this show. <laughs> Oh, um, I don't know why. Like, if if you ask me why I thought that, I could not tell you with a gun to my head. It just seems unlikely to me. So I'm very curious to to hear about your relationship with Carrie. Have you read the book? I I you know I know you've seen the movie. And why did you pick it? Okay, so um, yes, I have not completed the book, uh, and I have it. And it is a film like many that are like, oh, I know of this film. I know it is like Stephen King's like one of the first, maybe the first film that that was from his that made from his books. Yes. So this is interesting because just like with comics, origin stories are very interesting. So I want to see this. Um, number two, I've never seen it before until we spoke about this podcast. Oh, so, really? Yes. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So I was like. You know, when they are, maybe you guys don't know this so much because I think you are better at consuming things. There's like, if someone has not seen a film, they like know four things about it. And so like, for me, it's like, oh yeah, Sissy Spacek, uh, mm. high school awkward and blood on blood everywhere and then fire, <laughs> you know? Right. And that's it. It's like, okay, well, what really happens here, that's, you know? That's a pretty good summary. Yeah, yeah. that's Gary. about right. You know, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. So I wanted to fill in these blanks. I wanted to learn about origins. And then the third reason was I looked at, well, if I read the book, what are the shortest Stephen King books? And Carrie is very short. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> this, that's also why uh, it took a long time for somebody to have the nerve to do it on this mm. show. No um, one wanted to commit to a, a thousand page reread yeah. before doing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Carrie and in relation to that, what your experience like, was like in high school? Uh, well, I was a man who was very much in his own brain. And yes. I was often, and I think this is not unique. I mean, it must be some kind of unique because there's only so many bathroom stalls. But I often would eat my lunches in the bathroom stall. Um, just so I guess in my high school, there's probably eight possibles. But there's, I was always alone in the bathroom. So I would say maybe four other people. So not everyone was doing this. Um, but I would do this and I would just think about weird rap songs and uh, be by myself. It's just much easier, I think, as a child for me to interact with, uh, you know, the sky, which there was a skylight in the toilet, uh, as opposed mm. to like real people. Um, but I changed. This is, of course, changed. They had a yeah. window directly over the toilet in the back. There was an angle. You could see it through the crack of the door. Ah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say there, there's some uh, privacy concerns <laughs> that oh. I had when you when you mentioned that foggy that foggy but... glass, fogged glass. Oh, okay. what you call it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no peeping Thomases. It sounds like you might have had a, a little bit of a lonely high school experience. Is that correct? Yeah, it's like fifties, fifties. So like one fifty was uh, no one fifty percent was like 
lonely be uh, let's just be quiet let's play the trombone let's beatbox in the bathroom and then um, there's like a, a breakout point and then at this point i was like doing everything i'm very much of the extremes i will eat very healthy or i will eat like a garbage can hamburger uh, consumption <laughs> diet you know i will be very social or i will be like living in a tree in the middle of a place <laughs> full of trees <laughs> yeah right Fair enough. You didn't deal with bullying, though, is kind of what I'm getting at. A little bit, of course. Yeah. I mean, when you are, and I was a, a nerdy dude. And so this was, and I was not like, I was very uh, skinny, you know, and, and tall and skinny. Yeah, of course. You know, I think anyone that's a nerd man or nerd woman will have some of the bully stuff. So that was another reason. Ah, let's just avoid these people. Now, again, zero pig's blood. Um, I never got my period in front of other people. So like, it could have been worse. How familiar were you with uh, Brian De Palma's work before you watched Carrie? Yeah, a little bit. And this is something, so I have a terrible reputation with my friends in that I often don't know anything. Like I can tell you uh, (laughs) 12 players who played on the 1993 national champion North Carolina men's basketball team. But if you told me name three Brian De Palma films, I would say Carrie because I just saw it. And then I was like, <laughs> I think Mission Impossible. And then I'm yeah, like, that's right. maybe like, I don't know, like Fletch. You know, I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's a no on Missed that on one, Fletch. But for, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's You're a two, two out of three. three. Two out okay. of three. Pretty okay. Good. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. I'm yeah. very terrible with these things. I should be better with it, but I, d- I just like to consume and enjoy. And like, for example, mm. there are songs I know by heart, but I don't know any of the words, if this makes sense. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I totally I know it. what you mean. Yeah. So when you sat down and, and watched Care, actually, you know what? For anyone who hasn't uh, mm. read Carrie or seen the movie, Flula, would you be willing to do the honors and explain, you know, what is this movie about? What is, what is Carrie? Yes. Yes. So Carrie is about a high school girl in some place in America. I don't know where. Um, and she is having, I can just say spoilers. This is okay. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Um, so she's having telekinesis. So she can move things with her brains. Um, she has a very <laughs> weird uh, childhood. Her mother is like a Christian, but like crazy, like uh, someone that is like very insane with her belief. I don't know if that's oh, yeah. a sp- specific religion what this is but it's like a sect or something um so she has come from this very awkward um upbringing and so this makes her also very awkward in high school and everyone she is the bomb of all the jokes and so the movie and the book also begin with her she has she receives her period while she is in a public shower around other girls which i mean this does not happen anymore i hope these kind of showers don't exist in the 20, whatever we are, 20s. Um, anyway, so she gets very shamed uh, about this. And this is, and and we start to see, oh, she can move things. She can pop a light. She can make a child on a bicycle crash. I mean, she's like gravity, except rude. Oh, yeah. And so what happens is one of the girls in, is this too long or is this okay? No, no. no. Okay. Go, go for it. Okay, great. So all of the girls that are throwing tampons at her, like, oh, yeah, you're bleeding, da dee doo There's one girl, I forgot <laughs> the name, Megan, maybe, who is, like, doing this, but then the teacher's like, Megan, why are you doing this? And Megan is like, oh, I shouldn't do this. I actually think Carrie is nice. And so she mm-hmm. asks, uh, like, the, the football star guy, she's like, listen, the big homecoming dance is coming. You should ask Carrie and bring her to the dance. And so uh, that is what eventually happens. We watch it slowly. She, he asks, she says, no, you're just making fun of me. This is a trap, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And at the same time, one of the other rude girls 
um, has been said, you cannot come to the homecoming. You are screwed. And she's like, it's time for payback. I'm going to hire John Travolta as my boyfriend. And we are going to steal a pig. And I think we're going to assassinate this pig. And we're going to have a big pail of pig bloods. And so they put it on top of this, a stage in a bucket during the homecoming. And then another rude drunk man, he just looks straight from the fraternities of like Auburn or something, um, is there. And he gerrymanders the vote or whatever you want to say. He's like Russia and he changes the votes and he makes it so that Carrie and Tommy Johnson, I forgot his name, not the man with the surgery. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, they win. And so she goes on the stage and then the piggy blood is there and John Travolta and the mom from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think, pull a rope and the <laughs> bloods are on her head and then Carrie just loses her scheisse. And she just starts, <laughs> the water hoses are going. She's closing uh, closing doors and windows, assassinating people. And then she kills uh, John Travolta and uh, Ferris's mom. And then his, sorry, this is, I'm just, and then her she goes home and her mom is there and she's lit all of the candles. It's like a very romantic, like when Harry met Sally scene. Nope, not at all. <laughs> the opposite of this. And so Carrie's like, I need to take a shower. I'm covered in pig bloods. She does it. She's like, mama, where are you? The mama's like, I'm so great to see you. Here's a knife. Oh, I've stabbed you in your abdomen. And then Carrie's like, that was very rude. Let me roll down the stairs and then take all of the kitchen utensils and shove them all over you. And then uh, what's it called with the Jesus and the stick? Uh, the the, oh, yeah, the God, crucifixion. Some, cru yeah, she crucifies her mama with knives and like screwdrivers and things. And then boom, I don't know why, but the whole house is collapsed. And then everyone's like, oh, it's so sad. Carrie is dead. And then Megan is like, I'm so sad. Let me go to Carrie's grave. We don't know if this is a dream or not. She goes to the grave and she's like, oh, I'm so sad. And then boom, here comes a big arm. It's not big. It's Carrie's size. It's tiny and bloody and grabs her arm. And then her mother's like, Megan's mom is like, oh no, you are damaged for life. The end. Well, that is about the best description of Carrie I've ever heard. Well, have you heard many? This, I mean, it feels we like have, we've, we've talked about Carrie on the show multiple times. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, are you aware that they made like multiple remakes and also sequels to Carrie? Okay, sequels make sense. I was thinking this, and I did see there was like a new Carrie, and I don't want to watch this, so I didn't watch. I wanted to watch the original. Yeah, you don't really need to bother with the other Carries. Right. Is oh, okay. is what we have learned over time. But okay. that that is that was a fantastic recounting of the events of of Carrie. Well, um, thank you, thank you. Yes, got a couple little details wrong, but it only made it made it all the more fun. Yes, yes of course. Only two. I mean, this is okay. I'll take <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, in okay. spirit, yes, you're absolutely correct. Oh, great! Even when you were wrong, you're right. Like Nancy Allen, who plays Chris, the evil, like oh, bully yes. that pulls the pig blood. Yes, you know she's not the mom from Ferris Bueller, but I see it. Like when you say, oh, "Okay, yeah. she, she's a she's a RoboCop's partner in RoboCop." Oh. Close enough oh, for yes. government paperwork. Yeah, <sighs> yes, RoboCop. I have just seen it lately. What a wonderful film as well. Had you not oh, seen so RoboCop until recently? Only highlights as a child, and then uh, and then I was like, "It's the pandemic. Let's watch everything." And so oh. I watched it. Okay, we're gonna have to take a sidebar here really quick. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what you thought of RoboCop. I uh, amazing. Know. Oh, I loved it. I love um, the the technology or the effects were so wonderfully like terrible, but also great. Um, mm, so mm -hmm. I very much loved this. Um, I loved um, I, the, the, the shooting did not bother me. This, you know, as a child, it's like, oh, God, his hand has exploded. This is terrible. But mm -hmm. now I can like see, oh, it's not so scary. Um, 
I loved like watching the screen. You know, it's like Iron Man looking through his thing, except it's like from the 80s and it's just all green. <laughs> right. It's just so cool. And I did like, yeah, his partner. That's so cool. I liked, I thought she was very great. Short hair. That's why I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Would you would you ever volunteer for a RoboCop-like program? Should like to not. be turned into an android? Absolutely if, not. No. No? I, I would, if you are... Look, I think if like my um, if my intercourse um, s- s- system ceased to work, uh, and if I like my <laughs> if I could not eat enjoyable foods anymore for some reason, then yes, okay, turn me into a cyborg. But no, not yet. Maybe in fifty years, if I'm fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So Wise you'd be answer. an old Robocop. Yes, 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 yes. I'd be slow mo cop. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> slow mo cop. Yeah. Yes. Would you would you hope that your rejuvenated RoboCop form would um, mm-hmm. reinvigorate or put back online your your intercourse functions? Yes, of course. And I'm counting in 50 yes. years they will have have this developed. Yes, <laughs> Man, I'm hoping they have it in the next 20. Hey, finger crossing, Robo fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How far into the book did you get? I got um, about 50 pages, but here's what happened. I started to read it, and then I started to watch it, and then I was like, "This is scene for scene identical." So I stopped. Because it was like, oh, first she's in the in the um, in the shower. All of the things terrible, and then very specific, the bicycle boy. When the bicycle right. boy is like, oh, this is just going to be seen for. The- I will watch the film because I imagine we will speak about this now. I can tell you always, the book always is better than the movie. This is just an advantage of books over films in my brain to me. So right. this, it's not a fair comparing. Um, but also, I just wanted to see how this felt I, I and i watched oh uh, no sorry i read stephen king's i think it's called on writing is this correct yes yep. oh yeah yeah very wonderful book um and so i read this uh, maybe two years ago and so i was reading carrie using his on writing book as like oh yeah i see he's doing this and describing like this and this you know mm. so very enjoyable to read like this so i will finish reading carrie yeah i mean you should it's uh i mean you're right in that especially when it comes to king there's very few movies that are better and i don't mm. think that there are any I, that i would actually say that are better than than the book uh there there have been examples outside of king jaws is a very famous one that uh benchley book is is kind of pulpy nonsense mm, and sure the movie's much better doctor sleeps um, better I, than I, book oh yeah well it it, it does Throwing something down different. the gauntlet Okay. Down the gauntlet here. But I see where you're coming with from Dr. Sleep point of view, because what Flanagan does with that is he marries the book in the uh, the Kubrick movie the in, mm. in a way that like nobody thought possible. And, and the, the novel doesn't really deal with any of that bullshit. I can see the argument being made for there. I don't know. I'd have to reread and rewatch to to agree with you there. But uh, Flula, what's interesting about Carrie is that it's it's not so much De Palma's adaptation changes much of it, but it mm. tells it more linearly. Like the book, yes. you know, I'm sure as you saw, you know, from the beginning is it's like pieced together from mm. from uh, you know various accounts and, yes. and stuff. So it's it's told a little bit more in the I think like what Dracula's kind of told that way, right? Where it's like all letters after the yes. fact and yes. you're kind of. I enjoyed this very much. And you, it, yeah, it's difficult to do this in a film too. So I I understand why he and man. It was great to watch the way he, there are some scenes I was very amazed. Like he's tracking some of these, this one that's beginning in the film with the volleyball game or something. Mm-hmm. And he start, and this like, how did you get here? Or like the one where we go to the pig's blood. Like this is a traveling, this is not some CGI, not, poss- not possible. And just, I was so impressed with how he was doing that. That was so cool. 
Right. That's a, it's that's a, a very, hallmark of, of Brian De Palma's filmmaking. Right. You know, right. he's just, he loves those intricate shots. I, I got to imagine his storyboarding process is just like a thing that delights him. Could be. But another hallmark of Brian De Palma is that his films tend to be very horny. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. This might be something for you to explore. You know, you don't have to worry about, you're not scared by horniness or anything, right? You're, I'm not you're afraid f- of this, but what was this rated? I mean, this is not, it's R. This, it's R. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, if this was coming out now, well, it would not. I don't think this could come out. <laughs> right. Could it? I mean, this, I think the rules are different. Um, S- certainly, the attitudes have changed, especially towards nudity and stuff like that. I think you can get away with the gore. But like, there's no world in which a movie set in high school, even if all the actors are 18 plus, uh, these days are opens with a, a lengthy full nude, full frontal like girl shower. Oh, yes, scene. not right. like yeah. not like very quick. It's like no, this is just minutes, minutes and in, minutes in slow motion <laughs> and lovingly shot in yes, like foggy lo- soap opera lens, soft lighting. Yeah, yes. yeah, right. topless, bottomless, everythingless. It's just like what. It's just crazy. So I couldn't, I was shocked. This was a shock to me to see this, I must say. (laughs) It'd be interesting to talk a little bit about De Palma and what he brings to this. I think that's kind of what we're nudging Mm. up against here. Okay. Sure. Um, Because this is really fascinating from a movie geek perspective. This is, Carrie is one of the linchpin movies for multiple reasons. One, because it was like Brian De Palma's first big hit. Mm. He had done lots of indie movies. He had done a, a, some cult movies like Phantom of the Paradise. He did a couple of years before this, which is a, a fucking banger. It's a great movie, but it's definitely not a mainstream movie. Um, and then he did a movie called Obsession, which is uh, not as known. But then mm. he did this and then suddenly he was a name. He was a studio dependable guy. Mm. And at the same time, this is also when Stephen King became a household name. It wasn't through the books. It was through the adaptation of Carrie where people started going, huh? And then like he, the hardcover for Carrie sold. Okay. And then the movie came out and then the soft cover went like gangbuster sold millions of copies. So this uh, is, this is like a, a crucial turning point for this, the kind of uh, stuff that I'm obsessed with. And, and so no matter what, even if I hated the movie, which I don't, it is one of the most important horror movies of all time. And you can make the the case for that because it, it launched two uh, giants in storytelling. And it was also at the time, you know, this was so coming off of the heels of like the exorcist. So horror was starting to come back in a big way and was, right. you know, the studios treated it okay for like a period of time and they were willing to, to put some money. And even that, this was like a, a million eight, I think was the budget. It was a very low budget movie, but it was still a studio movie, but this wasn't like a small window when horror could get nominated for Academy Awards. Both Piper Laurie and Sissy Spacek were nominated for this. Ooh. You know, it, it is such a an anomaly, I guess. And and that's what fascinates me about it. And then looking back on it now, it is so crazy how, yes, it's very dated, but not in, not in a necessarily bad way. But what I love about it is that it's like De Palma being playful and playing around. And yeah. the tone of this movie is all over the place. Everywhere. Every single... Every yeah. single scene is different and it'll be like slapstick comedy one yeah. scene and 
John Travolta's bashing a pig's head in the other scene or slapping his girlfriend around or right. whatever, or Carrie's mom is locking her in a closet and then it'll, they'll be tuck shopping. And the, suddenly the movie goes into fast forward. What for no was that? that? Yeah. That was yeah, that, so that, like, like kooky montage that happens I, in the middle. middle I had to thing. rewind that part. I was like, was this a mistake? <laughs> is It's right. just like this. Well, like that was weird. And then when Travolta and the lady, uh, I know it's not Ferris's mom, but Fer- Fer- Travolta <laughs> and Ferris's mom, a crash the like the, the camera choice of just rotating the scene in circles it was really yeah. weird is that like, what yeah okay but that's what i i mean that's de palma he's very playful with that yeah. stuff uh, yeah but like no matter what you could argue whether or not it still works whether too much of its era or whatnot you can argue that all day every day until we get to the prom scene until we get to the carry freak out and no mm. matter what i think that whole sequence is going to still be in horror, like iconic horror reels for hundreds of years. Like yeah. oh, just, sure. just the, the, the split screen, the way he handles the split <clears throat> screen, you know, the way the carnage goes, the way like uh, everything is happening, the way people are getting electrocuted and yeah. the fucking risers, like cutting people in half and, uh. and how just calm and, and like, but like wide eyed and almost alien, she looks there's, oh. there's something about that is just like the magic of movies right there. And I think that the prom scene shedding all the other really good stuff and there's really good stuff that's, you know, the, everything with Piper Laurie is, is incredible in this movie, but shedding all that, that m- scene, I think is what Stephen King has to thank his instant success and in career for is yeah. that, that sequence. I Wait, tend to uh, agree. Oh, good. I'm an idiot. Who is Piper Laurie? The she mom. was the mom. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. You I like you know when you like hate someone, you know they're doing a very good job. And <laughs> right. I just and I hated just, her so much. And I was like, well, it's, it's real easy she, to hate Margaret White, for sure. Ooh, wow, we have a man. we have a lot of I mean I, I won't speak for Eric because I knew he grew up in California, and I would imagine there's a little bit less of this out there, but I grew up in Texas. There's a lot of religious fundamentalist parents in Texas. I've encountered this over the years myself. My parents weren't like that, but Carrie White's mom definitely exists, is still alive oh, yeah. and well yeah. and living in yeah. the country. Flula, where where you grew up was did you encounter that? Were there were there religious fundamentalists over there that were anything like this who were, you know, so obsessive about their their faith that they just made life hell for other for their family members? No, uh, not in my circles, but, you know, I don't know if it is because Germany is just like really old compared to America where like there's so many, (laughs) I mean, everything new is from here. Like there's so many, like basketball is only like a hundred years old. Like it's not Mm -hmm. that old and it's, you know, or, or baseball or all these things. And I think there's also religions that are really not so old that are from here. You know, Mormonism is not hundreds of years old. It's like maybe, I don't know, 150 years old. So right. we just, something in Germany is like, I don't really know a lot of, maybe it has, I mean, it has changed. But like when I was a child, it's like, oh yeah, here's, go to the Protestant church. It's this, oh yeah, the church that's 800 years old. That's how old the church right. is. So just sitting in there and then some man is playing organ stuff from a thousand years ago. So and of course, this is me sheltered as a as a child. So no, we had like the very standard religions, and no one was like super crazy that I saw. <laughs> um, everything crazy in good, bad, and fun ways was was from America. I have to say, 
<laughs> yeah. But in all the ways, like in bad ways, like, oh God, that's insane. But then also stuff like this is the dopest music I've ever seen, or this is the coolest film, you know? So it's like all of the excitement was coming from across the ocean to me. That's another thing. We haven't really touched on this, but you have a storied musical career as well. Oh, wow. Storied? Well, I mean, I guess oh, everyone yeah. has a story, but yes. I'm, okay. I'm going to go ahead and call it storied. Okay. No one can stop me. Well, whoa. Um, you know, uh, in recent years, uh, we've seen other musicians, you know, uh, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead or Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails doing film scores. Yeah. And so my, this is kind of a two-parter, like, do you have any interest in scoring a film? And secondly, how would you rescore Carrie if you were going to do it? Okay. Uh, number one, if someone asks me to do it, I will do it. Um, I've, I have viewed my life as someone that is very unqualified in every facet of my life. <laughs> and then so this means mathematically I'm equally qualified for everything. So, true, true. So this is my logic. So yes, great. I will score your film. Um, with Carrie, um, because of my upbringing, there would have been uh, more techno. Lots of techno. Yes. Uh, and I would, I mean, this is also, it's an older film. So like the the violin screech, screech or whatever thing um, that mm -hmm. was used for her magical thing, I would change this to something else. Um, it I, I wanted a different sound there. It felt like uh, the Hitchcock thing a little bit. I was like, oh, just do right. something different there. Um, I don't know what it was. It's still like early days with horror sound design, I know. So like that's why I felt, oh, this is very much a part of that era. Mm -hmm. But yes, to ask, answer your question, I would have done like a, a wiki wiki or like maybe, ooh, you know, something like that. <laughs> maybe a bass drop in, in oh, place oh, of yes. those you know, yeah, yeah, violin yeah. shrieks. I can now see we're that. talking. Mm. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Same page. Yeah. Same page. Now, as far as that final scene goes, where, well, not the final scene, but the big climax of the movie where yeah. Carrie is tearing up everybody. Yes. You know, let's talk about revenge for a second. Have you ever felt like you really wanted to get revenge on someone? Like to the level that, that Carrie White wanted to? Yeah, you know? 20, yeah, 20 times a day while driving in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, it's a nightmare here. The driving turns me into Carrie. Um, you want to, and like, we are such wired. You, I can tell I'm a very pr like primitive animal because I'm like, die. Everyone should die. And it's like a <laughs> feeling. But like, we are all fighting this. Of course, no one will do it. But like, you were like, we are just, I'm like, oh yeah, wow, I am a caveman. Like this is, or like, I would be like, I'm so depressed. Oh, I'm, everything is terrible. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm just hungry. Literally just eat a sandwich and then everything is fine. <laughs> like we're just so primal. So um, yeah, I feel this way all the time in my automobile. But in the real life, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to get back, you know, uh, Thomas Zuzzi or whatever, um, this never works. I always, um, it always hurts me more to make the revenge uh, than to just mm. uh, do something dope on the side and enjoy some spaghetti carbonara. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a very healthy way to to approach. That. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've tried. The problem is, I've seen. Oh, it doesn't work. Like this revenge is, just doesn't work. It's always. It's like, oh yeah, you hit me, I hit you. It's like basketball. Sorry to bring it again, but you never see the first foul. You only see the second foul every time. <laughs> <laughs> this does raise an interesting question, though. Like you, you've seen The Shining. You've seen Carrie now. Yeah. Have you seen Firestarter by any chance? No, no. But I love the song by Prodigy. Oh yes. Who among us Ooh. does not? Oh man, um, Fat of the Land, wonderful album. Yes. Oh God, that got some that got some play in high school. Woot, woot. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. I'll just tell you. Firestarter is about a little girl who has pyrokinesis. Ooh. You know, so she can make fires appear and like 
blow things up and and you know make someone catch on fire if she wants to got it you know it's it's sort of a variation on carrie's telekinesis where she Mm. can you know move things with her mind yeah so I'm, i'm curious if you could have the shine from the shining where you can like see future events perhaps maybe in a very spooky manner Mm-hmm. Or if you could uh, have Carrie White's powers where you could move shit with your mind or Firestarter powers, Fat of the Land, which are you going with? No fire. No Zero. fire. No, because mm. look, one bad mood and then, oops, there goes my backyard. You know, I don't want this. <laughs> that, I don't like yeah. this. That's a good uh, call. You, That's you, a good call. You need to combine it. You'd have to have fire and water powers, right? Yes. Yes. That's you not can have an option, then. though. There's, there's no water starter. Exactly. Doesn't sound as cool as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, everybody can cry. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> REM, everybody cries. Um, so, no, I won't do this. No fire stuff. And then you said if the memories must be spooky, then I will say, no, let me just do telekinesis because that sounds great. I don't need a private jet. I can fly myself someplace. That sounds really fun. Mm. You but know? if you're getting visions of the future or, mm-hmm. you know, just to play devil's advocate here. Okay, yeah, you please. Know, if you're if you're getting visions of the future or maybe a little bit of the past to inform your future. Mm. If they're spooky, those thoughts would be invaluable, right? You might get a, you might get a jump on who knows a career opportunity, some sort of financial situation, a windfall that, yeah. Changed my mind. You've changed it. Yeah. Great. I want that one. (laughs) Yeah. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Don't now. Don't give me the counter counter argument. I'm sticking now. This is no, no, no. I'm done. I'm done on that. I want the Back to the Future three uh, uh, sports book, whatever that was. That's the equivalent of this. The almanac. Yeah, the almanac. Yes, sports almanac. Yeah, Yeah. great. So while we're still kind of talking about this this prom scene, Carrie revenge power display thing, uh, I'm curious how you both read Carrie in this moment. Is this Carrie White in control and just letting her rage spurn things? Or is she just gone and whatever this evil power that she is within her is to, is taking the wheel and the Carrie that we know is just kind of in the backseat? Like, how do you how do you view that? Because I, I can see arguments for both. I can start. Um, for me, it's very clear it's the second one. And I can tell you it's because in her rage, she kills their only teacher that was like her friend. Right. So like she cares so right, little right. And she can, she can electrocute Cassie guy who cares. Yeah. Bye-bye. You can learn the name. It's very easy. Um, but this lady, if you kill this lady, then you're not in control. That makes no sense. So that's my vote. I got to say, I think it's more the former. I think Ooh. she's just done with this bullshit, Oh, I you like know, it. and is sort of like, this is, this is like scorched earth territory. She is fucking mm. done at this point. So she oh. just like really just opens the opens the floodgates and lets it out. Right. Mm. And I I, well, I think you know there are innocent people cro- uh, caught in that crossfire. But I also think like you know she doesn't really give a shit in the moment. Right. It's like I'm done. You know. There and if it's an innocent teacher who did try to help her, if she even thinks about it in that moment, it's probably like you could have done more. You know, I'm Ooh. done, done with all of you clowns. Could be, you know, I'm- I mean, because she's obviously the way De Palma films the scene is you see the real reaction of that teacher, Betty Buckley's character, like shocked and horrified. And then you see Carrie's point of view that's in that kaleidoscope 
kind of thing. Right, with, right. They're all going to laugh at you going on in the background over and over again. And in her mind and her vision, she is seeing Betty Buckley laughing at her. Mm-hmm. She's seeing everybody who she trusted laughing at her. You know, she sees the the one boy who, you know, kissed her and was making her feel special. He wasn't laughing. He was dropped dead or not dead, I guess. He's dead in the book, but I think he's just unconscious here. Uh, you know, dropped at her, her feet. And so there's one thing that one person who's treated her nice that she never views meanly. And that's somebody who's unconscious and just out of her periphery. Like I have a feeling if Tommy Ross hadn't been knocked unconscious, he might have been able to stop her from, Hmm. from going full on crazy. Uh, But yeah, no, I see, I see what you're, you're going for. I think that it's, I'm more siding with Flulo that I don't think that it's Carrie white consciously doing that saying okay fuck all y'all fuck you Mm. you're an asshole to me fuck you it is just the rage of her taking over now whether that doesn't mean the demon or there's a devil or anything inside of her you know driving her actions but i don't think carrie is there and the reason why i don't is one because like flula said she it's not it's not that betty buckley's caught in a crossfire she like actively sees her and then drops the fucking thing just everybody there is going to die yeah um and uh and when she gets home though and she has her bath and she like she becomes carrie again right she is she is herself the the rage is gone obviously you can make say that's an allegory for you know losing control of your anger you know an abusive father or you know or in this case an abusive mother you know will hit their kid or what whatnot you know that's you know, that doesn't mean that a demon took over what they view themselves as isn't the one driving the car. And that's why I think it's really such a fascinating scene and why it's a fascinating movie, because it is, it is a movie where you are, it's built around feeling sympathy for the monster and, and not hating her. It's very unique in that way. And in terms of modern horror. Well, can I say one thing that's, uh, was bothering me? I forgot to tell you guys. Sure. Okay, so she destroys everything at the. It's oh, it's it's not homecoming. It was prom. Is this right? Prom. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, and then so now Carrie's just like walking around. I guess she's walking home, and then she's yes. just walking, and then out of no place, um, Ferris's mom and Travolta <laughs> are just like, "Hey, we're in an automobile. Let's kill Carrie." Like at this. Yes. No, it just was a very weird. Like th- that felt uh, very up transition to me. It's like, wait, what? Okay, so right. now they're one trying to chase her and kill her. That's very, and it just seemed very confusing to me that 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 happened. Right. I mean, they show they show them like looking through the windows or whatever, seeing what Carrie is doing, like what what she has wrought, you know, and that seeing that she's responsible. So I guess there's enough connective tissue where I could buy that they're like, you know, they spot her on the road and she's they're just planning on running her down, but. Uh, mm. But yeah, in in the book, and not to give too many spoilers, but in the book, uh, it's not just the the school mm. that goes up in flames. It's pretty much the whole town. So, so they, they didn't quite have the budget for that. Yeah, and I like yeah. that much better. Yeah. Now, uh, I guess my final question on all anything Carrie related to you, Flula, is that yeah. you know you've you've established that you are not one for horror movies. I'm curious uh, how how scary you found Carrie because that that final scene where Carrie's hand. Yep. shoots up through the grave is yep. notoriously a scene that scared the living shit out of audiences when they yep. when they saw it. So how did you land on that? Scared me. That was a jump scare for me. <laughs> I, that really got me because I will tell you my prediction was um, that she, the, the the friend, the way the movie ends would be she's scared and she does some telekinesis and that's how the mm. movie ends. So my thought, my theory was, oh, the powers have now been moved to this 
other lady. And then that, to me, sets up a sequel as well. So I was not expecting this at all. So it really got me and is was very terrifying. So yes, that worked for me, I will tell you. <laughs> yes. It's an all-timer, man. And in it, it was also in an era where jump scares, like the the button on a horror movie, that that wasn't a thing, really. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, the the whole scream, you know, joke of like the killer always comes back for one final scare. Yeah, like, that, I know that was what a slasher you did last trope. Summer, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a slasher trope. That that wasn't really in horror movies. So when that happened, that's why it freaked audiences out because they were already halfway out the door. They were like, oh, the movie's over. This is it. Like yep. they they just weren't used to uh, getting ding like that. Oof, yeah, very effective. And one difference I will say too was Carrie, Sissy SpaceX character, just is, I would say, objectively a a pretty person to me. Mm -hmm. But the the way she was described in the book is not this. No, not at all. No. Yeah, so that was a very big difference that I did see. Again, I only started the book, so but that was, I thought, interesting. No, it's it's a big thing, and it's a problem that all the – uh, Carrie, you know, remakes have mm. struggled with. There was one with Chloe Grace Moretz and like, you just don't buy that she's not, because she could equally play the cheerleader. It's a bridge too far to buy that she's the the bully victim here. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And if they do remake it again, which I'm sure they will, because if there's one thing Hollywood loves, it's IP. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, somebody will, will remake it. And I just hope that they actually would like, you know, dare to cast somebody who isn't like just, standardly hollywood beautiful in in that role yes you know i think well, that would I be think, a great way to differentiate the- i think what works with spacek though is that like you're you're definitely right both of you on all of this you know the carry of the book is like tubby she's got pimples uh, or pimples. something yeah, 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 yeah. terrible she's, acne, yeah but i i think what king is communicating there is the idea of like the other or someone who is slightly outside the rest of the pack you know, mm. and Sissy Spacek, while is absolutely beautiful, but also kind of otherworldly looking, mm-hmm. like in the same way yeah. that like Bowie was sort of otherworldly looking. Yeah, that's true. And so I think it, that it, it's it works in in this particular case because she's not well, she doesn't look like a cheerleader, you know, or someone that could be a cheerleader. Yeah. She looks she looks more like just a very unique person. And I can imagine yeah. that being like a thing that people might pick on in high school. Sure. So that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and, and also the fact that, you know, that lets De Palma double down on what makes her weird is the, the, uh, the crazy religion aspect of the character. Sure. That's what they, they make fun of her more for Like nobody's saying, Oh, that ugly Carrie there, you know, it's always, she's weird. You know, she's religious. Mm-hmm. She's not allowed, you know, her mom's weird. And, you know, it becomes more of a family stigma, which, which absolutely fits and it works, but you know, that's been done and done well. Like I, I would just love, uh, yeah, there was a, a TV version with Angela Bettis that I think got a little closer to hmm. through to that character of um, sure. she's somebody like who spa- I buy as, like as the, the weirdo or the outsider. You right, know? right. Exactly. Uh, um, okay. But yeah, no, I would love to see, you know, in kind of the same honesty the, uh, that uh, eighth grade approached, Ooh. you know, adolescence. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like I would love to see, you know, something grounded in that in that kind of world. You know, I mean, I mean, listen, I say I would love to it. I'm fine if they don't make another Carrie movie. Trust me. You know, yeah, they yeah. don't want to make another Carrie fine. But if they're going to do it, I would love for them to, you know, maybe try to ground it in that way. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I hear this. Well, I think we can wrap the discussion on Carrie. Uh, okay. Flula, this is usually the part in the show where we allow our guests to, you know, tell us about whatever they're working on, what they've got coming up next. 
we touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but you know, let's uh, let's go back to the Suicide Squad. Um, Great. How are you enjoying the the press tour on this? I'm loving this. Oh, yeah. Oh, so much fun. Yes, it is. uh, You know. This is not a normal thing. I'm not in like 45 Suicide Squad style films. <laughs> right. Um, so this is a very, uh, very fun adventure for me and I'm loving it. I actually really love to do press stuff. It's very fun uh, for me. And so I'm just like diving in and doing all of it. The more the merrier, as they say, the more the merries, more of it is what I'm trying to say. It's very fun. Please. Yes. Is that how y- your co-stars feel? You know, in general, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I always feel no. like when I'm doing interviews for someone who's on a, a like a press tour. Yeah. I, I like part of me always feels almost apologetic because mm. I feel like th- these poor bastards have been sitting through the same questions all day. And I, I got to feel like if I were in that position, I would be like, fuck, this is my least favorite part of the job. So it's really cool you, to hear you say that you're enjoying it. But oh, yes. Is that yes. common? Mm, I don't know. I, I think uh, I'm not. I'm not certain. I can tell you. For me, this is just exciting. I love to also meet new people and try new things. Especially for some reason, this you know maybe was the pandemic or something. But my brain is very excited to like see new people, try new things, watch an old classic horror film. Like it's, I'm very much pumped uh, to do these things. And also like just mm-hmm. to stretch a little bit, do a little more Mary Lou Retton, you know, not just sitting in the <laughs> office all day. Yes. Yeah. A plus Mary Lou Retton reference right there. Great. Oh, great. Um, do you great. know well, if uh, Javelin is getting his own Halloween costume this year? Will people this- be able to dress up as you later wow. this year? Wow. Oh man, uh, I will uh, I will place an Etsy account online, and then people can just <laughs> buy them from me, and I'll just sew them. So that's a good. I like this business idea. Thank you. Very well. <laughs> um, by the way, about your costume, yeah. how did you enjoy being in it? Is it clingy? Is it mm. you know you're you're wearing? I, I've seen pictures of you in the movie. Yeah. You're you're wearing a thing that's like a full body suit. You know how did how did you react to that? Well, uh, be careful uh, to to tinkle first uh, because it's very that's a that's a dirty slang for pissing. Um, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Be careful about this when you have a suit like this. I really loved to wear it because you do feel very different when you're wearing something like this. You do feel, you know, it's it's you changes your mind. It's like if you're going to uh, the bagel shop in sweatpants or a, or a, a tutu. It's very different uh, right, how you feel right. when you when you order your everything bagel. So um, I liked this, um, and also my outfit, my boots were actually like running shoes, so I felt mm. very mobile and tasty. Uh, which I very much enjoyed. <laughs> Tastiness is a consideration I like to bring to every outfit that I Absolutely. wear. Absolutely. You and yes. I are both homo sapiens, so this yeah. should oh, be yes. very important for us. <laughs> <laughs> Did it make you feel powerful? Like, is that the feeling that you got from it? Yeah, so I also had long blonde hair. Um, yeah, which is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was helping, and then, yeah, wh- you know, you forget how you look, but then if you're in the mirror... Uh, you, you were immediately like, oh whoa this this I wouldn't uh, I would not uh, cut this person in in line at the cafeteria. This is not something mm. I would do. Yeah. Can you tell me um, a story from set or something we're not supposed to know that won't get you in trouble? Whatever first comes to mind when you think of the experience of making this movie, something we won't hear anywhere else. 
Yeah, this is uh, be prepared for disappointment uh, with these minutes, and I would encourage you to cut it. <laughs> it was just a very wonderful experience, and what I did enjoy very much is uh, there is one scene. I don't think I spoil it because it's we've we've seen it in the trailer. But Sean Gunn um, plays uh, Weasel. He plays Weasel. Yes. And weasel is a weasel. This is not a metaphor for a man who like steals your cryptocurrency. He's actually a weasel. <laughs> and he's wearing a very strange gray. It looks like he's on a mission to like, like he just got a Virgin Galactic flight and this is the outfit. And so he's wearing this very confusing outfit, but he's making the sounds of a weasel. Um, but it's just Sean Gunn. It's just a man going, and it's just like very, very confusing and was so enjoyable to listen to this man just be a weasel for several hours. So I really enjoyed that. He would do it even if no one's watching. He's still weaseling, which I just, very fun. He's method. Oh, man, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is the Brando of weasel actors. Oh, yeah, he's Measle Brando, Weasel Mando. He was that guy, yes. We're definitely yes. not cutting that. That was great. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. This was fantastic. It's an honor to speak to you. Um, oh, man. And, uh, you know, I, I would wish you luck with the movie, but I don't think you're going to need it. This thing's going to be a huge hit. Who knows? I'm just very happy to be a tiny cog in a small, a large machine. So tiny cog, small machine. That's how you say it. Yeah. I with love a huge this. javelin. You, oh man, it's, it's, uh, can barely lift it some days. Mm, You know how it is. Yeah, I know how it is. Yeah, I know where we are going. I know where we're going. And I'm pushing the brakes. (laughs) Just, I enjoy not being canceled. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, thank you very much, guys. And I want to say, I, I'd, I'd hope I'm not insulting anyone if I, when I say I don't like know all the horrors. So I'm excited to be like a rookie in this very wonderful environment. And thank you for my homework assignments, guys. Maximum oh, overdrive sure. and hereditary. Is this right? Yes. 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 You are going to probably in that order. You, I don't think you want to go the other way on that. Okay. You might be a little too, yes. too scarred. Okay. I would do it. Was Scott, was that like Georgian accent for scared? What you just said? No, no, no. Scarred is in scarred for life. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Scared works. Great. Um, (laughs) Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Many thanks to Flulaborg, the great Flulaborg. I just kind of want him to come on and describe movies for us. Like, it doesn't have to be Stephen King. Uh, I, I just want him like we we uh, gave him the homework of Maximum Overdrive and Hereditary to watch as a double feature. Like, mm-hmm. I would love it if he would just come back and spend five minutes describing the plot of those two films to us. I I would do a whole other Maximum Overdrive commentary with Flula if he was going <laughs> to do it just to experience that myself in real time. He is fantastic. Uh, that was one yes. of my favorite episodes to record. Yeah, I could tell you you laugh a lot <laughs> in this one. Having just edited it <laughs> at the time of this recording, I just finished editing the the show, and there's a whole lot of Wampler laughter in there. <laughs> he Can is uh, he's very hard not to laugh at. Um, <laughs> he's great. We love that Flulaborg, and he is always welcome on the show whenever he wants to come back. What is next week, Scott? Are you going to fill us in? Uh, next up, we have uh, another Suicide Squad cast member joining us next week. We are tackling the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I like that all the Suicide Squad people pick very unlikely titles. I did not <laughs> expect Flula to pick uh, Carrie. I did not expect this person to pick the Shawshank Redemption. But we're, we yeah, routinely we're going have to... very funny guests from the Suicide Squad, and they're picking very serious, very <laughs> yeah, serious titles. That was not a uh, that was not something I saw coming. 
you know, we're talking about serious subject matter in a in a very loose way with. Um, well, I can't say who it is and I don't want to say anything else because I feel like I'll spoil who the guest is exactly. Sure. So OK, I'll say, I'll say this and this oh, could be oh. taken like a bazillion ways. Uh, it's a character we're really excited to see on the big screen. That could be anybody, right? Anybody. Uh, so what we have for you on Friday is our Patreon bonus episode, which we do every week. We are starting an interesting project, I think. We are going to be doing a recurring series on our uh, Patreon where we examine Stephen King by decade. So that means we are going to be looking at each decade and determining uh, like kind of the winners and losers of that decade. Uh, We are going to ultimately pick a winner when we get to the end of like, what is the best decade for Stephen King? That's books, movies, TV adaptations, taking all that into account. And we will decide what is the best decade of Stephen King. And of course, we got to start at the beginning. So we are starting with the 1970s. And you want to tell us a little bit about our guest that's joining us? Yeah, we are bringing back the great Louis Peitzman, who uh, you will remember from our Dr. Sleep episode. He previously uh, hosted his own Stephen King podcast for Barnes & Noble. He is very, very well informed when it comes to King. We are excited to to bring him back. He's just, uh, well, he's super informed and also very funny. So it's like, that's best of both worlds. He's also starting off with like, you know, some of the major titles in the King canon. So if you're interested in a preview of what's going to happen on Friday, go look up Stephen King's bibliography and then look at the half dozen or so uh, novels that he released in the 1970s. Right. And you'll see it's just banger after banger after banger. So yeah, from 74 to 79, it's uh, my man hit the ground running. It's nuts. You know, for my money, it's going to be hard to beat this decade, but we'll see what happens in the 80s, 90s, and today, as the radio ads say. Yep, that'll be very fun. Again, if you want to join us there, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash thekingcast. And uh, yeah, you'll get that, plus us so much more. We got so much stuff over there. Yep, sounds good to me. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week with our continuation of uh, running through the cast of the Suicide Squad. Uh, And the title is Shawshank Redemption. And this Friday, Stephen King of the 1970s on our Patreon. Adios, everyone. The King Cast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. 